Welcome to Let Love, a podcast with the Sisters of Life. We invite you to join us for conversation, looking at life through the lens of love. You are loved, you are made in God's image, and your life matters. Let's talk about it. And we are back. This is Sister Annie Stay. And this is Sister Veritas. And it's a joy to be back with Let Love Podcast with the Sisters of Life talking about... The Gospel of Life. Evangelium Vitae. Yep. And we're in chapter three, and we're diving into another section in this chapter, which is really beautiful, Mm -hmm. uh, not easy, but really beautiful, Mm -hmm. uh, really talking about the end of life Mm -hmm. and all that surrounds that. And for us as sisters of life, uh, I know for us, it's been a challenge and a beautiful invitation to learn how to talk about Mm -hmm. this season, this chapter that we're all going to face one day. Yeah. Because I think generally it's like naturally we're not inclined to talk about the end of our lives or it's not like we want to mm-hmm. talk about other things except my little sister actually growing up she was i remember she was like seven and she's like i can't wait till i have seniors discounts i was like anna <laughs> but she, i said but you're not even like you're not even an adult yet <laughs> I said, maybe you should live life before the seniors discounts anyway <laughs> there are benefits but right and well and even sister before even diving in to to the whole reality of of that which is again beautiful and i think as you have courage to enter into the conversation you realize how much we need to talk about it Mm -hmm. to prepare ourselves well and to live a hard Mm -hmm. thing well Mm -hmm. um but just that there are seasons yeah like we live here in new york and it is it's a blessing to have four seasons and god is so good to us that he inscribes so much truth and reality within the mysteries and wonders of nature it's really true do you have a favorite season sister you know, I I I like summer a mm. lot mm-hmm. just because it's so warm and beautiful and green. But I I have to say I have a growing appreciation for fall because mm. where I grew up, fall was one week. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the, literally, the trees uh, change color and the leaves fall in a week's time. It wasn't until I came to the east coast of America that I realized what fall really is wow it's gorgeous it's gorgeous i mean where you grew up i can only imagine yes in maine it was a treasured season Mm -hmm. and i would say yes it remains my favorite in Mm -hmm. the sense that uh, you the change is so dramatic Mm -hmm. as you were speaking the green all of a sudden you have a few cold nights and the leaves begin to change color and what i love about that is it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I know living in Maine, you'd have busloads of people coming up during that fall season. Mm-hmm. We call them leaf peepers. <laughs> <laughs> and we loved having them uh, and sharing that gift of beauty. And I think it's just so profound how that show of beauty, all those colors, red, yellow, uh, purples, I mean, mm-hmm. so many shades, actually is the process of death for these leaves and actually that it needs to happen. And that when you start studying the whole cycle, it's like the leaves fall to the ground and then the nutrients from the leaves um, enrich the soil. And then the soil gives new life in the Mm -hmm. summertime. Mm -hmm. And actually if the leaves didn't fall, the snow in the wintertime would actually break the tree. And so you, you see this, there's a beauty Mm -hmm. inscribed uh, in death and dying, even in the world of nature. Mm -hmm. And I think we can take a lot of, cues from that and find courage to lean into this mm-hmm. i don't know sister should we pray and get started that sounds awesome father the son the holy spirit come holy spirit come lord jesus lord we praise you you who are the giver of life 
um, who hold us from the beginning of our life to the end. Lord, we ask you to fill us now with your spirit and your understanding that we might know the plans you have for us, plans for welfare, not for woe, plans to give us a future full of hope. Lord, help us to know the beauty of your love at every moment of our life and especially at the end of our life. We entrust ourselves to you and to our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is, is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wow, sister, this is, I have to actually say, it's a particular place that is close to my heart mm. as far as my experience uh, actually supporting people in, mm -hmm. in that process of death and dying mm -hmm. experiences within my own family that it is so important mm -hmm. that we lean in. That being said, and this is where, um, you know, numbers 64 through 67 in this chapter really take a look at the reality of the temptations that can happen at mm -hmm. the end of life, because it is, it can be an incredible experience of vulnerability mm -hmm. and one can feel powerless and helpless in the face of it. And it's like, you're just losing ground every day. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's grief and there mm -hmm. is sorrow. And yet there's also joy and rejoicing mm -hmm. in the gift that you've received in a person's life. So it's, it's everything. The human heart is touched so deeply mm -hmm. and the temptations to, euthanasia to assisted suicide are real like yeah. how do i control this thing yeah meanwhile i think especially as sisters as we've pondered this we've been drawn into this eternal perspective mm -hmm. that it is the lord who is the lord of life mm -hmm. and he brings life and he brings death and that there is an obedience that we're called to mm -hmm. uh to honor god's initiative in mm -hmm. this time and trust that as all of life can be for us um, so too, this process can be for us, mm -hmm. for our life of family, for an individual person as they prepare for eternal life with God. Mm -hmm. Sister, that's so true and so beautiful. And I think it's important to say, you know, and also to acknowledge as you already did, like the end of life can be scary, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's new depths of vulnerability and uncertainty and difficult questions. And like, we've never been here before, right? What, is, what does this look like? Mm -hmm. um, and just some good questions to ask, like how do we live it well? How do we live the end of life well? Um, where do we find the peace and security we desire on a road that we're all gonna one day travel, right? Amen, sister. And um, yeah. Well, here's, here's where we've kind of broken it down. Or I would say, if you want to find traction here in thinking about it, in discerning what to do at the end of life, whether it's you or whether it's a family member or whether you're trying to help a friend find their way through this epic uh, as they face it, I'd say there's six areas, uh, six concepts that are really helpful to support an eternal perspective. Basically mm -hmm. looking at this with God, the mm -hmm. Lord of life, um, a father who loves us, who's going to care for us to the end and invites us to, to love to the end. Mm -hmm. And I want to just name those six areas. And then I don't know if we can just chat about yeah, what be, they are. That'd be awesome. Okay. So basically first, uh, you want to treat the whole person, right? We want to kind of enter into a Christian view of the human person and treat that whole person at the end of life, right? Mm -hmm. um, that that's important and that the end of life affects the whole person, mind, body, heart, and mm -hmm. soul. Second, 
I think we want to take on what does the Christian view of death and dying actually look like? Mm-hmm. That there's a lot of different views you can have, but how does engaging Christ as our interpretive key mm-hmm. for this moment um, in our lives, mm-hmm. what does that bring to us? What mm-hmm. securities, what certainties, uh, what gifts mm-hmm. does the Christian view of death and dying bring? Third, looking at the sacred gift of the person of every human life Mm -hmm. facing the end of life. And where does that bring us? Mm -hmm. How does that put courage and love in our hearts as we consider, wait a second, this life is sacred. Mm -hmm. And how do we want to treat it all the way to the end? Fourth, I think we have to really take a look at the Christian meaning of human suffering. That, yes, there's a lot of different ways to consider the experience of human suffering. It's very Mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. But what does our faith, what is that interpretive key again of Christ bring to that reality that again, all of us confront at some point in our lives and especially at the end of life. Mm -hmm. Fifth, just looking at the reality of the freedoms that we have, uh, that there are options and how do you live a hard thing well and how do you choose towards that? This freedom to love, that we're called to love to the end and that we are free in that. Uh, Lastly, uh, just taking a look at vulnerability and compassionate presence, right? Like it's a vulnerable time mm-hmm. and that the only answer, the only adequate answer to the person who's vulnerable, especially at the end of life is compassionate presence is ultimately love. Mm-hmm. So six places to go to and sister really just want to chat about it yeah. um, because I think it can be hard to find a language and concepts that can hold us. Mm-hmm. And I think what we have in front of us brings together the gift that Evangelium Vitae brings to us in mm-hmm. these different paragraphs. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And these are really powerful points, I think, and I can't mm-hmm. wait to dive in. Mm-hmm. So the first one, treating the whole person. Yeah. Isn't it true? Like we in- instinctively know and have this awareness, like I am more than my medical numbers mm-hmm. on my chart or, mm-hmm. you know, like, isn't it amazing like our often our experiences of i don't know if you've had this experience of like going to the hospital or something Mm -hmm. and it's it's amazing the difference like when a nurse is like how are you doing like Mm -hmm. and it's like like she sees me you know and this experience of wow i i'm more than the thing i'm suffering yes isn't it true it's so true and i think too it's like just to debunk the myths it's Mm -hmm. like actually a catholic view of end of life care is really integrative, right? Mm -hmm. It pulls the gifts of science and medicine Mm -hmm. um, that we want to treat pain and Mm -hmm. we want to treat it well, but we don't want to reduce the experience to the fear of pain that I might have. And actually, if you talk to any palliative care nurse or doctor, that the gifts of science and medicine Mm -hmm. actually treat pain really well Mm -hmm. um, and that there's other aspects of pain, emotional pain, Mm -hmm. um, relational pain, are actually a huge dimension that you Mm -hmm. don't want to miss. Or the reality that, yeah, that there's an ethical way to apply these gifts. Mm -hmm. And we want to do that um, towards really being able to live the experience well, but also after a life ends, that we live in the truth of love, Mm -hmm. that we loved to the end. And that will hold us for time and eternity. And then, yes, the reality of the art of love right? The art of healing and love. And there's so many ways to integrate love at the end of life in, in good care. And that 
one has to be creative. It's not going to look the same for every mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you talk about birth stories, right? <laughs> we all come out a little different. Um, and you could talk to any uh, delivery care nurse or doc on that too, that mm-hmm. birth stories. I mean, I think there's TV series about this stuff. Oh, yeah. And there's also a lot to say about the end of life. Yeah. God speaks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing that we want to surround with tremendous love and eyes wide open to the, the full reality mm-hmm. of the human person, mind, body, heart, soul. It's true. And, and that every person, as you're saying, sister, is so unique and unrepeatable. Mm-hmm. And actually, even each of our deaths will be, you know, yes. in that same, that same way. And it makes me think of this experience I had recently of um, going into a home where there is um, uh, a little baby who was like on perinatal hospice. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was, um, he had some tubes and things. But sister, honestly, it was like walking into a tabernacle oh, wow, at home. And it, it literally felt, I got to hold him. It felt like I was holding the baby Jesus. And it was this experience of this, yeah, this powerful creative love that embraced um, him and his fullness. Um, and and the blessing and the, the the gift that he is, and also this reverent walk with him into the arms of the Father. It was such, yeah, it was such a powerful experience of treating the whole person because there it's like you have all the medical, mm-hmm. you know, high level, high level medical stuff there, mm-hmm. um, the tubes and the, all these machines I don't know about, you know, the nurse was there. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they're there and, and, um, bathing him, caring for him, but mm-hmm. so gently, so reverently putting cute little mm-hmm. clothes on him. And so it was this, yeah, this experience of, you know, yeah, the best of medicine, yeah. the best of professional medical aid, but also this um, very personalized love and attention and the wow. little details and delighting in him. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah. He's so good. And then praying with him. So yeah, like the spiritual, the emotional and um, medical, everything. It was it was really profound and pronounced and actually deeply marked my heart. Wow, sister. Mm-hmm. It's so tremendous. Yeah. And actually that this is what, even in difficulty and the suffering at the end of life, mm-hmm. how resonant and whole, like your experience of it being a tabernacle, mm-hmm. like this sacred ground mm-hmm. and this place of love mm-hmm. oh. in which love was unleashed. Unbelievable. And that actually love is the answer mm-hmm. and holds us mm-hmm. in our response to those who are sick and suffering and dying, but also um, the one thing we can give mm-hmm. and that should lead our care mm-hmm. to appreciate the whole person mm-hmm. as we, as we love them yeah. to the end. I think this brings us to consider the Christian view of death and dying. And this is a second area that I think it's very important. How are we looking at death and dying? Mm-hmm. You know, is it on the level of fear, like the unknown to come? Is it on the level of, am I going to be able to find the treatment and care that I need? Mm-hmm. Which all of these things are important. And yet are these drawn up into um, this view that really from the heart of the father, from God's eternal designs in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I look at this process of death and dying? Mm-hmm. And I think as we allow it to be lifted up into that eternal perspective, and as we look at the history of Christianity um, and what it has to say to death, dying, and suffering, and end of life, and all of these areas, mm-hmm. you can find light. You can mm-hmm. find hope. Definitely. And I think, in a way, the underlying question to the question almost is you know yeah what is the christian view of death and dying but it's also what is the christian view of the, the person right because there's kind of different again worldviews or ways you can look at things and you know is death just an absurdity 
that mm-hmm. is the end of your existence and that's it you know that's um that's a commonly held view right mm-hmm. that it's just kind of you just kind of cease to be right but um and there's no meaning there's no purpose there's no end but that's not the christian view of the human person or the christian view of death and dying right the christian view of the human person is that you are created intentionally by god he loves you he chose you from before you know the world's beginning desired you to be and that your life matters has meaning from the beginning to the end but that actually we have immortal souls right mm-hmm. our life here is is just the like the tip of the iceberg of our life in eternity mm-hmm. and i think it is true sister as you say it's like the sacred gift of the human person which we'll lean into um, after this point actually being caught up in this great mystery of redemption right that that in and through christ we have hope mm-hmm. invincible hope so as we experience passion mm-hmm. suffering and death as christ did if we cling to him what do we know mm-hmm there's going to be a resurrection. Yeah. And as you speak, that we have these immortal souls that actually we're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. It's not the end. Yeah. And, and in a sense, I love uh, nurses because mm-hmm. um, nurses at the end of life, I know I've talked to many of them, they call themselves midwives for souls. Wow, that's so epic. Isn't that beautiful? That should be a book, don't you yeah, think? I think it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do. Well, that's no, great. and if you talk to them, those who are on the front lines of this, mm-hmm. helping people to die well, in mm-hmm. a sense, and that there is a way to do that, for people to die with hope and in hope, supporting people peacefully engaging these days, uh, they know that there is more, mm-hmm. these nurses, that there is something that they're being born into. One of them, actually, she was an oncology nurse, and I happened to to see a column just uh, about her efforts to kind of capture these stories. And her name is Janie Brown. And uh, again, she's just a, a leading oncology nurse who has spent her whole life's work, really, wow. walking with people at the end of life. And she wrote a book called Radical Acts of Love. Mm. And really, this distilled her life's work in the form of 20 of the thousands of conversations that she had with those dying persons that she cared for. Mm-hmm. And again, she speaks to the reality of the sacred ground that this is, that this is not hopeless, desolate. Mm-hmm. land mm-hmm. it's sacred ground mm-hmm. that we are about something epic here this yeah. last chapter that we want to live it well and that faith brings us into considering the possibilities mm-hmm. of this time even if you look at the life of christ in his passion and death there was incredible intervals there there was last gifts exchanged he mm-hmm. gave us a gift of his mother mm-hmm. right forth from his heart poured mercy and love yeah. to renew and save the whole world yeah um he ultimately commended his whole life back to the father mm-hmm. uh, he completed his work and his mission and as much as the cross and standing at the foot of the cross uh is a place of sorrow mm-hmm. it's also a place of incredible life we talked about that a few episodes back that the cross is the source of life yeah. and this nurse really caught that reality mm-hmm. um and that there's things yet to do, right? As we enter into this Christian view of death mm-hmm. and dying, there's hope. Mm-hmm. And we can accompany people well through their passion and death, whether it's listening to another, um, allowing another to tell their story yeah. and heal through that. So um, having the courage to talk about difficult things, mm-hmm. to reconcile as family members. It's it's an incredible time where awesome things happen all in and through that gift of Jesus Christ that we have. 
It's so awesome, sister. And, and that he is with us. He is Emmanuel. Amen. He's with us. He's with us in our suffering. He never leaves us alone. You know, and, and as Dr. Brescia, we talked about him in a previous episode, but um, he does hospice care, but he, he talks about death or the end of life as the vestibule of heaven, right? This Beautiful. sacred, sacred time that belongs to the Lord alone, really. And um, that's why we can't, uh, you know, take control of it. Um, but, but yeah, that he, he is with us in it. Wow, it's very powerful. Super powerful. But I think it leads really beautifully into the next point, mm-hmm. um, the sacred gift of the person uh, mm. who is facing the end of life. Really, really beautiful. And yeah, it kind of, as I had touched on, that every human life is sacred to God, right? Every moment has meaning and pur- purpose. There's Our life um, is not absurd, <laughs> right? It, it, it is intentional and mm-hmm. meaningful. Um, and it's the Lord who actually tells us who we are, tells us the meaning of our life. Um, and, and it's love that actually illuminates every, every aspect. But, but remembering this, I think as we, yeah, especially the end of life, you know, um, especially people who are, you know, incapacitated or can't mm-hmm. do what they want to do. And, and, you know, how often we can measure ourselves by what we can do, produce or achieve. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to this, the space of not being able to do what you normally do, mm-hmm. um, it's actually tapping into that deeper truth of I, my worth um, comes from the fact that I am created by God mm-hmm. and loved by Him, and that I am me. But yeah, just the gift of each person. It's stunning, sister. And as you speak, it's like, though a person be diminished, mm-hmm. though we face a thousand uncertainties, mm-hmm. though our future be unknown mm-hmm. in a sense that there's an incredible vulnerability. Yeah. Within this experience of vulnerability, when we step into that space with Christ, mm-hmm. and when we step into that place with love, uh, we realize it's nothing to fear. Yeah. That, and actually, this is where a person is confirmed mm-hmm. in what you speak of their worth and their dignity. Mm-hmm. And I think asking those who have experienced it, it's like uh, a loved one who is diminished, it's like it unleashes love, it pulls out. Yeah these incredible reservoirs of love Mm -hmm. and unleashes them in a family. Mm -hmm. And it can be so, so very powerful. Mm -hmm. Albeit it takes great courage Mm -hmm. to live with fidelity to the gift of life. Mm -hmm. And yet it's just true. Yeah. And I think you can talk to anyone who has experienced this reality. It's like, wait a second. No, no, no. This isn't when we give up. Yeah. This is actually when we lean in. Yeah. And we confirm mom, dad, our mm-hmm. brothers, our sisters, uh, in their worth, in their dignity mm-hmm. to the end. Yeah. And we toss them into the hands of the father, in hands that they've always been in, and yeah. yet now they go definitively to. Yeah. And and showing them like you are worth, you know, every every ounce of care. And it actually makes me think of the little sisters of the poor, our yeah. good friends. Oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. But these are beautiful women. Um who have laid down their lives to serve um, the elderly and the dying. And they actually take a fourth vow of hospitality. Mm-hmm. But what that actually means is they will not let anyone die alone wow. who is in their care. And so they will they will stay with them, keep vigil with them, tend to them. And it's like really bearing this amazing witness to exactly what we're talking about, the sacred gift of the person. Wow. Um, and it's really, it's really powerful. Wow, sister. Mm-hmm. Whoa. It's hard to move from one of these to the next because each are so beautiful. They're so rich. And each engage too. I think questions, real questions that so many have, right? Mm -hmm. And I think another huge one is the meaning of human suffering. Right. And how do we look at that as Christian people? Mm -hmm. And because I think 
yes, mainstream current would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. Suffering is something to avoid at all costs, mm -hmm. to reject, to numb, to escape forth from. And I think actually Christians would agree suffering is, is a great evil, that we're not made for suffering. Yeah. We're made for God. We're made for integrity and wholeness. And we long for that, and that's what we were created for. And yet, yes, there's this reality of original sin mm -hmm. and this reality now of part of the human condition is, yeah, mm -hmm. we're vulnerable to this experience of suffering. Mm -hmm. And yet, this is what I love, Jesus covered that too. Yeah. He covered it. Yeah. Not just covered it, he went inside of it. Yeah. He went to the broken bottom yeah. of every suffering that mm -hmm. the human person can find. Mm -hmm. And he redeemed it from the inside out. He put love there. Mm -hmm. That is the potential that we have in our sufferings is a God who is with us and a love that we can be with and receive and live within. Yeah. It's so powerful, sister, because it's, we can actually unite our sufferings. And it's like first to acknowledge like, yes, I'm suffering here. Mm -hmm. Cause I think we can go through a lot of life and it's like, I feel weird or what's happening. But then it's to actually say, oh, I'm suffering. Yeah, that's that's actually a really important thing to name. Uh, but then what do we do with that suffering, right? We could let it just be terrible. Well, the Lord actually holds out this invitation, right? With his pierced hands um, that we can actually unite our sufferings to his mm. on the cross, unite ourselves to him in the holy sacrifice of the mass, right? And actually that our suffering united with his can bear fruit um, for the world, graces for the world. It's really powerful. But all of a sudden, like when, I mean, even just trying this, like when you're in suffering and then actually, Lord, I unite this to you mm -hmm. um, for grace for the world or for this person, you can in particular intentions. And all of a sudden, it's like, not that the, the pain goes away necessarily or the 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 felt experience might be the same but it's all of a sudden meaning purpose love love gives meaning um where otherwise there would be no meaning you know yeah, it's and it's real that's the thing it's not like this pious thought it's no. like it's actually legitimately yeah, real and if you awesome dare to try it it really is yeah sister and i think it it kind of speaks into i mean we had mentioned but you know there is um throughout the world some countries more than others there's a kind of growing temptation or movement toward euthanasia and mm -hmm. physician-assisted suicide, mm -hmm. right? Like I know in Canada, it's legal through the whole country, um, America and many places. Um, but what is, what is this? You know, John Paul II talks about this um, in, in this section, but there kind of can be this, an attempt to alleviate suffering or a, a desire to, to be merciful somehow, you know, to try to take control of death and bring it about before it's time, you know, mm -hmm. ending one's own life or the life of others. But Jesus answers, he answers the absurdity of suffering with the cross and resurrection. Um, and so that, that nothing can steal our dignity because we're made in his image and likeness, I love it. his sons and daughters. And uh, yeah, he gives, he gives purpose um, to even the places that are hard. I love it, sister. Well, and actually, I would say the biggest thing that helped me here, because mm -hmm. it was a huge question, especially in college, I was like, what? What is mm -hmm. it about suffering? And it can be, right, it can really throw a wrench into your heart. Because it's like, how couldn't this possibly uh, come to any good? Mm -hmm. And I read the document, and I know we might have mentioned it before, but Salvafici Dolores, mm -hmm. which is the Christian meaning of human suffering. And it's written by John Paul II. And that was huge for me. Mm -hmm. It was really huge to be real with this question, mm -hmm. to grapple with it, mm -hmm. to confront it in my own life, and to be real with it's. I think it can be a really humbling thing, actually. I know for me, it's like to admit 
I am suffering and mm-hmm. this is how I'm suffering. Yeah. This is how I'm vulnerable. Mm-hmm. This is how this thing has really thrown me sideways mm-hmm. or disrupted my life or put things into question that weren't questions before or have taken away my securities and my crutches. And, and actually what I have found in and through living uh, the truth to be found in that, that document and actually the Christian faith that there is a God of love there mm. who wants to encounter us and who wants to help grow us through these experiences. Not that we seek them, not that we pray for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is objectively an evil to suffer. And yet because of the realities mm-hmm. of uh, life on the side of the veil, uh, that there's potential mm-hmm. in our human sufferings and we want to live them with the Lord yeah. and allow love to lead us to yeah. new depths of growth, spiritual maturity and union with God. Actually, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the potential. So yeah. we win. Yeah, We can win. Yeah. It's amen. The victory he wants to give it. And actually I think that leads to the next point, the freedom to mm-hmm. love, right? Love is, is the, the victory of, of life. Um, and yeah. And just like the reality that the gift of freedom has been entrusted to each of us by God um, to reveal the greatest truth of our life, which is love. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, and there it is. I just love remembering that it, it is a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and actually, I have that option. Mm-hmm. It's an option. And I know these sound, I know that might sound really simple and basic, but actually, at the end of the day, it's what really counts. It's yeah. what really matters. And yeah. it's what actually brings me into my potential mm-hmm. that we have been entrusted with a sacred gift of freedom mm-hmm. and I can exercise it. And I actually need to exercise the responsibility to use it well, mm-hmm. not only for my sake, for the sake of entering into that exchange of love that I desire mm-hmm. with other persons, with myself, with life in general, but for the sake of the person in front of me, yeah. that love is the only adequate response Mm -hmm. to the human person and that I ought to choose it Mm -hmm. and it will bless them. It will bless me and it will strengthen the whole human family. So it is, these are hard yeses. These are very hard yeses. And this is why too, at the end of life, it takes a village. Yeah. It takes family strengthening family. It Mm -hmm. takes person strengthening person Mm -hmm. that we have to help each other Mm -hmm. and to build networks of love and faith and support. Because I also know as caretakers for those who are at the end of life mm-hmm. or suffering greatly they need backup yeah you know and and this is where action and me actually putting my love into practical mm-hmm. points of action mm-hmm. for another is so important mm-hmm. and to look for those opportunities mm-hmm. and to say yes uh to to giving uh, maybe it's bringing over a meal mm-hmm. maybe it's saying hey you know what like i'll 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 be present to your loved one tonight, mm-hmm. get some rest mm-hmm. or just helping with the practical day to day things that it's, it's an extraordinary labor mm-hmm. to love someone to the end mm-hmm. and surrounding them with the practical love that they need. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And and how love is the only proper response to the human person, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's what is love It's choosing the good of the other. And it's beautiful. Cause you see that in people's lives, right? Like a married couple, right? So, you know, they get married. Usually the honeymoon phase is like, you know, four years or five years or something. <laughs> right. And then it's like the rubber hits the road. It's like, okay, like the honey, all the honeymoon feelings are mm-hmm. gone. And it's this choosing daily to love the other choosing to bite the tongue or to go the extra mile. But all these little acts of love, which are not so little because every act of love is eternal, but it all can actually build up the heart actually to be able to to love 
freely and to mm-hmm. love more freely at the end of life, right? Mm-hmm. And you see these beautiful examples of, I think of my, you know, people in my own family who are elderly, like grandma, you know, is diminishing and grandpa is like, well, I'm going to learn to bake chocolate cake, you know, and like he's going to awesome. start baking. But it's it's like these habits of love actually strengthen and uphold yeah. um, relationships and but it, but it carries you, you know, um, and in the time of at the end of life, which, you know, yeah, there are a lot of emotions and a lot of things mm-hmm. going on in the heart and, and deep suffering. And, but to, um, to be able, again, you're saying to choose love, mm-hmm. um, in those places, it, it's like a light in the darkness. It's so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Sister. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's a choice that not only blesses you in the present moment, but for all eternity. Yeah. Once love is given, it's eternal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's echoing throughout the halls of mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. It's echoing throughout the halls of your heart and your yeah. life. And that is an eternal gift yeah. to claim yeah. right now in the present moment. Yeah. And it's real and it's certain mm-hmm. and it will bless you. Mm-hmm. And long after that loved one may pass into eternal life, that gift of love will be still blazing mm-hmm. and burning mm-hmm. in your heart. And open new places in your heart. There it is, sister. And new, new roads in your life, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because ultimately, it's the greatest freedom. Yeah. The freedom to love. And we have to exercise it in order to grow in it. Mm-hmm. So it, it is challenging, yeah. hard, yeah. holy smokes, but the best thing we can fight to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Whoa. So I think, yes, in bringing these six areas to a close, the last one to speak about is vulnerability and compassionate presence Mm -hmm. uh you know basically this reality that we wake up and we're vulnerable Mm -hmm. right (laughs) i go to the beach i have to wear sunglasses why because my eyes are vulnerable to to a lot of sunlight um i go outside in the winter time i have to put a jacket on Mm -hmm. because yeah i'm vulnerable to the cold Mm -hmm. same way i enter into relationship with another person my heart is vulnerable um someone looks at me funny i'm vulnerable you know that we whether it's in the emotional, psychological, right. spiritual, relational, mm-hmm. all these realms, interior, mm-hmm. exterior, we have this reality of vulnerability mm-hmm. as human persons. And I think we experience this acutely at the end of life. Yeah. And how do we respond to that? What does our vulnerability need? Mm-hmm. It's a great question, sister. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in a way, we're, I think we thirst for our our vulnerability um, to be received, mm-hmm. right, by another. And for us to be received by another without feeling like we're being unpacked or analyzed or dominated or whatever, but just actually received. Um, and that to allow that vulnerability to become a place of connection and love mm-hmm. and relationship and communio. Um, and it's, because it's true, vulnerability, we've talked about this before, vulnerability vul- comes from vulnera, which mm-hmm. is to be, wounded right Mm -hmm. the ability to be wounded Mm -hmm. um but it's like we can't in a way we can't really enter into true deep relationship unless we're vulnerable to some extent right Mm -hmm. to share that heart to heart and but i think that's what we're we're longing for right um to be heard to be listened to be to be carried to know i'm not a burden yeah um that i'm good yeah you're gonna you're gonna see me in my weakness and you're gonna love me Mm -hmm. that's what i want that's Mm -hmm. like such that's what we all want. That's what we want, right? Like at the end of the day. It really, it really is. That's it, sister. It really is. And I think that's um I don't know, at least thinking about like the euthanasia and, and suicide movement. Like 
think a lot of it, there's a lot of fear that I won't be received in vulnerability or that it's a liability to be weak and vulnerable or I don't want to be a burden or, Mm -hmm. but I just want to say like, you are not a burden. Mm -hmm. You're a gift. Mm -hmm. You're a gift. And actually your vulnerability, um, in a way is an invitation Mm -hmm. to uh, a deeper communion. It's an invitation and it's a gift. Mm -hmm. If you can imagine the gift it is to be the presence of love Mm -hmm. for someone, Mm -hmm. it's incredible Mm -hmm. actually. Like I love the sister, what you're saying. Um, And the reality that vulnerability is a gift Mm -hmm. that I have this opportunity to give of myself to make a gift of my love to another and how deeply meaningful that is. Like, Mm -hmm. as you were saying, it begets communion Mm -hmm. and a sense of of love Mm -hmm. and belonging. I mean, Mm -hmm. the potential of vulnerability. And it is, it's like, whoa, I know the privilege of serving others. Uh, Mm -hmm. To serve is to reign. It ennobles you, it expands your heart. Every person I've had the privilege to receive, to talk to, to encounter, they create a new place in my heart mm-hmm. and my heart gets bigger. Yeah. And it's like, I look back and I'm not like, I don't pat myself on the back. I look back on 14 years of religious life and I say, oh my goodness, Lord, mm-hmm. the gift upon gift upon gift that you've given me yeah. uh, through each person, through each encounter, through each relationship, mm-hmm. through, you know, just little exchanges on the street mm-hmm. in New York City, um, this exchange of love as we're all vulnerable That's, we're actually all waiting for mm-hmm. someone to respond to us in love and it always counts but we see it in a particular way at the end of life right that's, that's really true sister and it makes me think as you're saying that also like being able to actually embrace our vulnerability mm-hmm. and live it um, can actually become a source of light and hope for other people in embracing their own vulnerability mm-hmm. it just makes me think of a recent experience i had <laughs> when i was serving um, <laughs> this is great. I think at, I was there. You were there. But serving at table, we, we take turns serving yeah, the meal. It's beautiful. But I, I it was really impressive. I was pretty impressed. I managed <laughs> it was to, a good one. <laughs> so I managed to spill two glasses of orange juice, like mm-hmm. basically entirely over my whole self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was almost like it like yeah, it just was amazing. It was like a perfect spill. It was really early in the morning. And, you yeah, know. yeah. But it was like okay, wow, this <laughs> is so special. But it was like you know, the actually recognizing the gift of it because I live with all you know, we live with all the the younger sisters who are mm-hmm. first you know first year in the convent, and it was like this, you know, and they haven't served yet. So they're, but it was like yes. oh my gosh, yes. like it's okay. Like if I mess up, it's gonna be okay. Yes, you know, and like don't worry and so you know you mop mm-hmm. yourself up and make a joke and it's it's all like you know it's fine mm-hmm. but it was like that you could some of them even said like oh, thanks <laughs> you just give everyone permission yeah like it was okay mm-hmm. and it really i don't know it was a good little example to me of actually the power of living your vulnerability well amen sister and your confidence that you would be received mm-hmm. in a sense your freedom yeah to to welcome yourself in <laughs> right in yeah. in that event um and your trust that mm-hmm. okay this is a place this is a community please god that can mm-hmm. receive me mm-hmm. um in my tough times my rough days my orange juice spills and please god that yeah we are um a family that can do that and i think every human heart wants to to contribute and be part mm-hmm. of that kind of family mm-hmm. you know i think it's innate to all of our hearts it takes courage it takes guts it takes humility mm-hmm. but when you're living it uh it resonates mm-hmm. and it it makes everybody sing 
Yeah. Inside and out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all, and again, sister, this is just a stunningly beautiful conversation. And I'm just grateful to kind of chat about it. And mm-hmm. yeah, take on a new view mm-hmm. of the end of life and yeah. kind of take out some of these beautiful thoughts of John Paul II and flesh them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we standing on here? Mm-hmm. And again, more to say, but I wonder, sister, before we go, do you have any encouragements? I do. I have an encouragement, and this is uh, sort of sounds like homework, but actually it's really going to bless you, okay? Okay. Yeah, it really is. So um, actually, I encourage you, if you haven't yet, to check out our End of Life page on our website, mm-hmm. Sisters of Life, and under what we do, there's End of Life. And actually, there's some really powerful and beautiful stories of grace, stories of witness, um, some articles, and also some great resources about um, kind of end-of-life decision-making, um, some things just to, to um, become more educated about end-of-life ethics, um, things like that. So yeah, just encourage you to take five or 10 minutes sometime this week just to take a look at those um, yeah articles and resources and um, yeah, I know it blessed me very much in, in looking at them. So I, I hope it blesses you as well. Amen. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. What about you? You know, a fun little encouragement or challenge, I would say just to take a few minutes to reflect on those you're aware of that are suffering mm. in your life, like within the radius of your life, whether that's at home or at work, um, or it might even be, you know, within your own heart. And to ask the Holy Spirit to incline your heart according to his will Mm. in those places. So to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I bring love Mm. into that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it's the vulnerability of another or the suffering of another, uh, but to really ask the Holy Spirit to inspire your love Mm -hmm. uh, in a creativity towards um, putting love where it's needed. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't have to look far. It's it's pretty powerful actually. Mm-hmm. Like how can I stand in reverence to the suffering and vulnerability of another and how can I translate love in in a way that's practical mm-hmm. that really actually brings that into life yeah. in an incarnate way for another. Mm-hmm. And yeah, let's let's start a fire here. Amen. Amen, sister. Wow. Well, let's oh. close in a prayer. Sounds great. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We adore you. And we love you. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit to set our hearts on fire with your love. And we ask for every grace of inspiration. Holy Spirit, draw our love into service of another. Give us courage to bring it into service of another. Uh, Bring us light to recognize, acknowledge, and care for the sufferings and vulnerabilities around us. Uh, Also give us courage to be real with those that we carry in our own hearts and grace to step out in seeking and welcoming the care of another or the care that we know that we need. Blessed Mother, be a mother to us. Care for us. Hold us in your immaculate heart. And Father, we thank you ahead of time for caring for us and providing in all the ways that we need as we say glory be to the Father, to to the the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. We're praying for everyone. God bless and keep you in his peace, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next time. This was Let Love Podcast with the Sisters of Life, a religious community of women consecrated for the protection of the sacredness of human life. Be assured of our prayers 
and learn more at sistersoflife.org.